Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide, the show that teaches realtors how to create a thriving real estate business. Welcome to today's episode of the Real Estate Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, John Shookman, and I am so thankful to have you with me for today's episode. A huge thank you to Jennifer Harshman and Harshman Services for sponsoring today's podcast episode. Jennifer and the team at Harshman Services do an amazing job of helping businesses grow and become more successful and organized by using blog posts, search engine optimization, and email marketing to reach your clients. I'm so thankful for how Jennifer and her team have helped me become more successful in my business. And if you're a realtor out there, I know that you can often get stressed and want to work smarter, not harder. You need something that you can set and forget about. So check out what Jennifer has built at RealtorEmails.com. She has an amazing offer and affordable tools to help you become more successful in your business. I'm so thankful for the team at Harshman Services for being a part of helping my business and for sponsoring the podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. On today's interview, I'm so excited to have my friend Kent Sanders with us. Kent is the founder of Inkwell Ghostwriting, which helps leaders grow their business through books and other content. He is also an author of the artist Suitcase, 26 Essentials for the Creative Journey, and co-author of Performance Driven Giving, The Roadmap to Unleashing the Power of Generosity in Your Life with David Hancock and Bobby Kipper. Kent also just released a new book, 18 Words to Live By. So a new book that he wrote to his son on his son's 18th birthday. And in addition to writing books for himself and his clients, he loves to help other writers. He is the host of one of my favorite podcasts, The Daily Writer Podcast, which helps writers cultivate the habits for creative success. And he is the founder of the Daily Writer Membership Community. He lives just outside of St. Louis with his wife and son, Ben. So, Kent, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thanks, John. It is an honor to be here. And I'm a longtime fan of yours and your way of doing business. So I consider it a great honor to be asked to be on the show. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Excited to just kind of dive into your journey. So I kind of gave a brief intro, but kind of tell us, you know, what you're doing for your clients, what you're learning currently, maybe with a current client book right now, maybe with your community. What's something that you're currently learning in your business? Oh, gosh, I feel like I'm learning constantly. One of my biggest learning points right now is trying to figure out how to build, I guess the way I would say it is kind of like an end-to-end publishing system. Or I guess really what I mean is, how do I become my own publisher? And I already have a publishing company. It's not hard to set up your own publishing company. Basically, you just you know set it up online in your state and just like you would any other sort of fictitious business name or LLC or whatever else. But what I'm really trying to do is figure out how do I create custom projects? That's my main learning point right now. And literally right before I got on this call, um, I got an email from the printer who was doing the hardback versions of the 18 words to live by book. Okay. And we've spent a lot of time that my designer, Christy Griffith and I, we've spent a lot of time on the design for that book, a lot of time on learning the lingo of custom printing and all of their requirements, which are very complicated. And I just got an email that said the paper that I want for the book is not available due to shipping issues, you know, around the world. And interesting. Yeah. And it's been kind of a long gestating issue and it's just a learning point. So I have to decide, you know, am I going to use different colored paper or a different weight paper or am I going to, what am I going to do with this? So, but I enjoyed this process because, uh, you know, the ability to make something happen from scratch 
and not have to rely on Amazon or not have to rely on a different publisher. I think that's really valuable. And the skill of having a dream or having a goal and then having to figure out how to make that happen and learning to deal with all the the bumps in the road, I think it's just part of running a business. So that's one small example of just something I'm learning literally as we speak. That's awesome. And I love what you're saying about, you know, having a dream and making it happen. I feel like for realtors, we often do this. And so, you know, it's very interesting. We have a client and it's it's a very similar journey almost to what you're describing, where yeah, you have a client, thing. where you have a client and and you do the same thing with ghostwriting, right? Whether it's they're ghostwriting a book and you kind of take that from, okay, here's my story. Now go write my book, right? Exactly. You, you've written some great books as a ghostwriter or it's helping someone, you know, buy or sell a house. It's really, you know, and I often say on the show, you don't sell houses, you create relationships and you help people like create stories. And it's, yeah. it's very similar. It can be quite a process. I can imagine that this is quite a process. And I know, right, we're in the Tuesday uh, masterminds and in the Total Life Freedom community together. I know that the books you create is like these are months and months of projects. And sometimes it's it's uh, the same thing with a client and a house like you spend months and months right. with these people. Yeah, it's, the, it's really the exact same process. I think basically every business is much more similar than they are different. It doesn't really matter what industry you're in. Yeah. I mean, every industry has their own things that they do and own. They have their own unique aspects or own unique way of doing things or products or whatever it is. But ultimately, every business, I think, is exactly the same. And, and that is you're helping someone get something that they want or something that's important to them. It might be a house. It might be a book. It might be, you know, my next door neighbors, as we speak, are having electrical guys. They're doing something. They just moved in about a month ago. I don't know what they're doing, but those guys came and they're fixing some kind of a problem for my next door neighbors. I don't know what it is. Right. But every business is basically the same. That's why I think people make too too much out of, well, I could never learn to do that or that must be hard to do that type of a job. I think basically everything is learnable. And, you know, whatever you think of a guy like Elon Musk, you know, he's basically a self-taught guy who, you know, created a rocket company who is planning on taking people to Mars. And that's pretty darn impressive when you stop and really think about it. I mean, just the idea that you can have a goal, you can have a dream, and you can basically learn what's required to do that. And you can make it happen if you are willing to put in the work to it. So I just find that really, really inspiring and I guess the lesson in all this is we're all really doing the same thing. We're all just helping people do things that are important to them. Yeah. So tell me, tell me more. I know we sort of jumped in and you just shared like a, a lesson you learned recently. You have become now I know you're super humble, but I was at the TLF retreat in February. And so many people kind of look at you and say like, wow, when I think of like a ghostwriter, I want to be like, it's either Nick Pavlidis who, you know, he's in TLF and you yeah, I love him. Learned, learned from him and, or Kent Sanders, like how have you, and maybe it's not intentional, but what are the things you're doing? What are those daily habits that you're creating to become a ghostwriter that people are look up to as like, I want to be like them, whether it's you've, you know, increased your prices whether it's your clients really love the work, like what are, what are the things you've done to create this success? Well, thank you. First of all, I appreciate that. And um, I've learned a lot from a lot of people and nobody is a self-made person. I feel like I've been very fortunate to be able to spend time around people who've really helped me a lot and poured into me. 
And no person has done that more than my wife, Melanie, honestly. She's been very, very supportive of all, of all this since the very beginning, which I've always really appreciated. I feel like the answer to that question in terms of habits or things that I've done, some of that goes back years. So basically, I've been a full-time ghostwriter for right about a year. So right about this time last year is when I left my college teaching job to do this full-time. I had been building up my ghostwriting business for a while. And that began as a freelance writing business where I was doing podcast show notes for clients and you know, articles, blog posts, stuff like that, social media things. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of grew into to full go, fully ghostwriting books. But I think the funniest thing about all this, and, and I say it's funny because I literally think it's kind of funny because so many people over the last year in my network, they've asked me, okay, how did you leave a college teaching job and do ghostwriting? Because number one, it's really unusual for somebody to leave a college teaching job to start their own business. I mean, you really rarely ever hear of that kind of thing happening. Usually it's they leave it to go work for somebody else or they leave it to go to another school. But second of all, ghostwriting seems like a really odd choice to most people. In fact, most people don't really even know what it is. So the answer to that question really in my mind is it's all the stuff that I was doing back in 2013, 2014, 2015, 16, 17, 18, which is doing a podcast, which is doing freelance writing work, which is being guests on other people's shows, going to networking events when I could, just connecting with people, sending out thank you cards, engaging with people on social media, having guests on my own podcast. It's all those things that that nobody really was paying attention to for all those years that I was doing on a really consistent basis. And it's it strikes me as just kind of funny because now people are like, it seems to them like I made this sudden leap from one job into this other career. And yep. they're like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah. This came out of nowhere. And I've told my wife this so many times I've just wanted to say, hey, I don't know where you were at 1 a.m. on, you know, February 3rd, 2016, but I was up doing a podcast or I was up writing blog posts or, or I was up at 5 a.m. doing this or that. And I think it's all those things just over the years that were very much under the radar. Then when I went to build a ghostwriting business and funneled all of those things that I had learned yeah. into a really clear business for a very specific kind of person, then then I think all those things kind of came to bear. And people have been really supportive because I spent a lot of time developing connections and networking and relationships and all those. It's not that I'm, I don't think it has a lot to do with writing skill. I think it has everything to do with just building up connections and relationships with people. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I love and that I'd love for you to kind of talk about now, this is not a uh, I hate W2 jobs podcast, but sometimes <laughs> no, I come, not at all. <laughs> but sometimes I come across like that. So one of the interesting things is, can you kind of share with us what happened there at the college? So I know, you know, from spending every mo- almost every week with you that you <laughs> went to do ghostwriting full time. And then what happened at your college job and like why you were so thankful that you kind of started this entrepreneurial journey? Well, there's a number of things that happened. And I'll, let me give you kind of like the super duper quick version of what kind of preceded all that. So I started out actually as a music pastor in the church world. And for those listening who aren't familiar with what that entails, anytime you go to a basically like an evangelical church service, there there is some um, typically more modern music that involves, you know, guitars, drums, projections, Mm -hmm. lighting, all that kind of stuff. So I did that job for seven or eight years, really, really enjoyed it. I think I, I did it pretty well. And then I went to teach basically that job at the college level. I went to the school where I graduated from to be in charge of our worship and music 
department program and did that for 10 years and directed our chapel services, which were twice a week, taught a bunch of courses related to music and ministry and theology and all that stuff. And one day after I had been teaching about 10 years, and I'm not really exaggerating when I say this, um, I'm trying not to over dramatize it, but it was almost as if somebody just flipped off a switch. Mm-hmm. Part of that I think had to do with the fact that I had been doing worship and music stuff in the church world for at that point, probably like 20 years. And, you know, there's a reason in the church world why you don't see typically people doing music and leading bands who are older than like their late thirties. Yeah. And the reason is because it's really, really emotionally exhausting. It's Mm -hmm. very, very tiring because you're constantly doing rehearsals and you're dealing with dealing with tech and media and that kind of stuff. So I was just really burned out on it. And it was almost as if somebody had just flipped a switch off emotionally. And I kind of looked around one day and I was like, I think I'm kind of done with this. Had nothing to do with my school. I just had reached a point in my life where I just didn't want to do that job anymore. And I knew that it was not fair for me to continue being in that role if I wasn't excited about it. I felt like to be a person of integrity, I had to either leave that job or I had to move into a different area at the school because it wasn't fair to my students for me to continue teaching courses that I was not excited about. Mm-hmm. So to my college's credit, they let me shift into a different role over a period of a couple of years, which involved teaching courses related to communications and writing and film and storytelling and those kind of things. Now, at around that same time, though, we had a big crisis at our school where I won't bore you with all the, the gory details, but there was some conflict involved between some people at our school and a local church. And there were actually like three or four major issues that kind of came to a head at the same time. I think really those were probably a function of things that have been happening for a long time. They just kind of blew up all at once. And a lot of people left our school around the same time. And it was, it was a very stressful period. I was friends with a lot of those people, some of whom were really disagreeing with each other a lot and hated each other's guts, <laughs> to be honest with you. But it was a situation where a lot of people left our school on bad terms, just to be totally honest. And in that moment, I vowed to myself, I would, I would never let that happen to me. I kind of vowed to myself that if, if, and when I ever left the school, I would do so on my own terms and on my own timing in my Mm -hmm. own timing. And it was around that time that I started to build a freelance business and do podcasting and all that stuff, knowing that at some point I would want to build that into a business. And I, I did it. I just kind of stuck with it and made a lot of mistakes. I screwed up a lot of stuff, but over time it, it actually worked, you know, once I stuck with it long enough and then funneled all those things into specifically a ghostwriting business. So that's that's kind of how all that came about. And then tell us what happened. So in the past year, right after you had left, the school is shortly shutting down, correct? Actually, so we're recording this on, on Wednesday, May the 4th. This is Wednesday, right? Wednesday, yes, May the 4th? It okay. is, yep. Star Wars Day. Yes. How could, I, how could I forget that? So it's Star Wars Day. And um, this past Saturday, April the 30th, was the final graduation for that school. And it was actually the last day of business for the school. So as of May the 1st, the school no longer existed because it merged with another school. 
Yeah. And I just think it's a lesson. I mean, I think watching you, I'm I'm thankful that you were kind of out of it before. But I watched right. right. You were you were emotional about it because you're like, oh, my goodness, had I not built, I, you know, I'm going back to my notes here. Had I not been doing the things in 2013, in 2016, in 2018, those things at 1 a.m., 5 a.m. that people didn't notice, I probably would have been right now on May the 4th out there looking for a job. I would. Yeah. Well, I know exactly what would have happened is there were two things that would have happened. Now, to to the school's credit, you know, I don't want to I don't want to bash anybody unnecessarily. But to the school's credit, they made sure as best as they could that everybody who was employed there went somewhere that they had some kind of a job opportunity, which I really thought was cool. Yeah. Uh, like the school that our the larger school that our that our college merged with, they actually hired a bunch of our folks and that type of thing, which was really neat. So what would have happened is I either would have ended up having to commute back and forth, uh, you know, like it's a couple hours away, maybe go up there two or three days a week, come back home or something like that. Or I would have been involved that that school's extension site in St. Louis that they're creating. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have been excited about either one of those things, not because they're bad, just because I was, I had different interest in my own mind. So, yeah, the the thing that really honestly surprised me, I don't want to like want to sound any sort of negative way, but but I'm just being totally honest. The thing that really surprised me at our school is that anybody could see that our enrollment was declining. Anybody yeah. who had half a brain could see that. Yeah. I think the most surprising thing to me was that not more people were trying to do what I wanted to do. You mean you see the schools declining. It's going to shut down in a few years. That's so obvious. Why would you not be making plans for whatever your next act is? To yeah. me, I just kind of looked around. I was like, you know, they would keep saying things like, well, we're going to have, you know, so many new students this year. And they would always sort of project these totally unrealistic numbers, which which happens a lot of times in higher education and in mm-hmm. business. But I would just go, I don't know what you guys are smoking, but right. uh, this is not going to happen, you know, this way. So I just was like, let's just let's just all kind of be real and just admit this is not going well. And let's figure out what we're going to do next to just I don't think I'm anybody that's. I'm not anybody who's like um, abnormally smart. I just sort of feel like, hey, look around. Things are not going well. Let's figure out what we're going to be doing next so it doesn't catch you off guard. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, it's so funny because, you know, and I shared on the podcast a couple months ago in March, my entire story. And like I lost my last W-2 job and it was like I could not get another W-2 job. And it was like, OK, well, we'll do real estate. I remember saying, you know, going through the process, still applying for W-2 jobs in banking where I was not getting them and saying like, OK, well, I felt like I had tried. And if I could not get a job by like I had a final interview, it was actually with Wells Fargo, a bit, you know, bigger <laughs> bank. I was like, hey, I, I owe them a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> I've had my mortgage through them. Uh, yeah. So I, I said, like, well, if they would have given me the job, I could have come after you. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> but I think uh, like me and my wife decided if I don't get this job, God is telling us to like pursue real estate full time and not to like yeah. over spiritualize things. But had I not been involved in a community like Total Life Freedom, like I remember, you know, being like, oh, yeah, well, that's really cool that all you people have this like entrepreneurial thing. But right. like that's not realistic for me. And now I'm around all these people and we like creating these six figure successful businesses and then doing things like, okay, now how can I help others? 
that it's like I can see like if I would have been in those shoes, I would have been like, well, that's great for you that you can go create something successful. But that's not realistic. Like that's right. not realistic for me. And probably because I wasn't giving it a chance, probably wasn't doing those consistent things. 2013, 2016, yeah. like you yeah. talk about. Yeah. I, again, I, I don't think that I'm any smarter than anybody else. I, I do feel like I'm exceptionally lucky. I feel like I have a very supportive spouse, which which plays, I think, a huge role in it. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm I was just also desperate. I mean, because yeah. I knew, OK, if I don't build this yeah. myself, what are my actual options? OK, I can either go work for Amazon. So there's a huge Amazon distribution facility a couple of miles from my house. OK. And I'm like, and, and honestly, that is something that I've always kind of kept in my back pocket as an option. I'm like, okay, if everything else tanks, I can at least go drive for Amazon. And I would have no problem doing that. Like, I I, I don't have any pride. <laughs> I would happily do whatever I need to do, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, there's something that sounds slightly appealing about just getting to drive around all day, mm -hmm. in peace and quiet, delivering packages. It's so simple. You can measure it. When you drop that last sucker off, you go home. I'm sure the job is not a piece of cake, but there's something that is a, just a little bit appealing about that type of job. But, you know, I, I could either go work for Amazon or I could go work at a church, which I didn't want to do. I'd kind of been there, done that. Mm -hmm. Or I could go work at McDonald's. I mean, I would do what I have to do, but I, yeah. none of those options were appealing to me. So I was driven by a deep sense of desperation, honestly. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I do. So I'd love to kind of ask you because you have been one of the people and I'm transitioning a little bit from your career and the, what you've learned to the creative process, right? This has been like one of my favorite conversations with you because and I, I've shared this with you. I shared you be, with you before we started recording. You probably were one of the people that really influenced me to mm -hmm. do a podcast because I remember talking to you and saying like, okay, well, I'm going to run out of ideas. I'm going to run out of things to do on the podcast. I'm going to run out of people to talk to. And you kind of encouraged me like, no, John, like once that part of your brain is working, you will have ideas out the wazoo, mm -hmm. basically. And, you know, I've had people that say to me, even family members, well, aren't you going to run out of ideas? And I'm like, you don't even understand. I'm batched, you know, a month ahead, sometimes, you know, right. four to six weeks and coming up with so many ideas. Like I did an episode recently that was like, give out great service at the Apple store. I literally went to the Apple store about getting a new computer and it was just an episode about that. So nice. can you kind of talk to me and my audience? Now these are right. We're realtors out here, but the creative process and just starting to create, whether it be right, whether it be record audio, how has that helped you? And how can that help us even just in our real estate business, but also when we decide, Hey, we're going to go create a book or a podcast or something else. How does using that piece of our brain really help us? Well, I think that's a great question. So there's two things that I would say. The first thing that I would say is I think every job is inherently creative. It doesn't matter what it is because all that creativity is, is just solving problems. Yeah. Hmm. And everybody is creating something in their job. So, for example, I create books for people. That's kind of the product that I create. You know, like you mentioned a little while ago, what is it that you create as a as a real estate agent? You're you're creating relationships, but you're also creating a sense of comfort and safety and peace in somebody's family. I mean, there's all kinds of things that go along with that. So, I do think every job is inherently creative in that you're you are taking something and you're making you're making a product you're making relationships you're making value out of that 
And I can't think of many more things that are more valuable than helping somebody find yeah. a home where they can live, where they can feel safe, where they can feel like they're a part of a community. If they have kids where they can raise kids in in the way that they want to, whether it's in an apartment building or having, well, I guess you're not selling apartment buildings. <laughs> they, they would rent those. Whether it's, you know, in a suburbia kind of a thing or mm-hmm. out in the woods or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So real estate people are inherently creative, I believe. Yeah. Well, and that's so interesting because even as I'm taking notes here, I'm thinking, you know, real estate being inherently creative, sometimes creative can be creative slash problem solving, right? Yeah, as I, I that's all it is. As I think about, okay, my client ran into this you know, and I share this on episodes, you know, as I share a journey and share, oh, my client ran into this, I'll share an episode about it. It's helping people think, oh, what would I do in that situation? How would I address that? So that's very interesting. I never thought about how every job, just like being a podcast host or writing books and I mean, writing every day, right? Every job is is creative. That's pretty cool. So thank you. It is. I really, so I, I think about an insight that I learned from doing this uh, this book called The Faith of Elvis that comes out in October. I wrote it with Billy Stanley, uh, Elvis's stepbrother. And it was a really, really wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed every second of it. Billy's just a really, really wonderful guy. One of the things that I learned about Elvis that I have really taken away from that project is that whenever Elvis would talk to fans, he would always, and I'm going somewhere with a story, by the way. This is just like, a, you're like, where is he going with this Elvis thing? But whenever Elvis would talk to fans, he would always ask what they did for a living, or he would try to find out about them. He was always really, really a curious person. And if the person said, hey, I'm a I'm a ditch digger, or I work for the construction company, or I do whatever, you know, we would kind of label that as a very blue collar thing, as opposed to Elvis, who was this world famous entertainer. But what's interesting is that Elvis did not see those people as having a job that was lesser than his. Elvis saw that what he did as just a job. Mm-hmm. He would tell those people, what you do is just as important as what I do, because in fact, he would say it's more important because people who are ditch diggers and plumbers and accountants, they're the ones that actually provide the services that keep our lives running on a daily basis. And Elvis would say, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an entertainer, yes, but it's just a job. It's just a job. And that yeah. really stuck with me from that book project. And I keep thinking that about myself. I mean, I'm a writer, I produce books for people, but it's just a job. Like anybody else has a job. We're all creating value for people, trying to solve problems and trying to improve their lives in some way. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. So as we kind of get towards the end of our time, I I love to ask these two questions to everyone that comes on the show, whether they're a realtor or building, you know, ghostwriter and doing what you're doing. So a realtor out there is listening to this and they're lonely, they're feeling frustrated, they're feeling like they're all alone in their business. What would be one piece of advice that you would give them? You've got to connect with some other people. You have yeah. to find some way to do it, yeah. especially if you're an introvert, because introverts naturally resist that process. But I can tell you 100%, all the good things that have come into my life ever have not been the result of me just sitting and stewing about my problems alone. They have come from connecting with other people. And that has come through mastermind groups like, you know, John, you and I are a part of a mastermind group together mm-hmm. through communities like Total Life Freedom, yep. through business networking things, through having coffee with friends, through like this morning, literally, I, I went to have coffee with six other guys. We meet every two weeks for coffee for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. 
and that's been going for a few years. I started that group a few years ago and it's still going. And those guys have changed my life. I love those guys. They've been really, really an important part of my life. So if you need to connect with some other people, create a group. Don't wait for other people to yeah. invite you. Get with some other business people or people who think like you do or, or real estate people. It doesn't really matter. Just pull together a few people and meet maybe once a month or once a week or whatever it is. And those will be the things that, that change your life, I think. That's that's great feedback. And I appreciate that so much. It's so interesting. The the power of community is insane. I'm I'm working on an episode now, right? As I batch, you know, whatever a month out or whatever it is, like get out of the house. And the lesson yeah. to, to realtors yeah, when I when I say that is go be around people because so many realtors sit here like I could sit at this desk here in my office all day and think I get a lot done. And I probably will. And there are days where I need to actually sit here and get things done. There's yeah. other days where I should go work at Starbucks for two hours. Now, maybe I see someone and they see that I'm a realtor because I have a thing on my computer that and they want to buy a house. Or maybe it's just a different environment, different setting, different smell, different whatever. I process differently. And I, I don't know about everyone else, but I work better. Like if I go out of my house and leave my family, I'm so fr like it frustrates me that I have to leave and go get work done that I'm like so motivated in that time that I'm like, I'm going to get this yeah. done so that in two hours I can go home and be with my wife and yep. my kids. So get out of the house and like you're saying, build that community. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's radically important, I think, because when you work from home, like right now I'm from home, I'm looking for a co-working space. Mm -hmm. I desperately need to find some place that is not at home, because when you're at home, that is sending signals to your brain like, OK, I'm in a home environment, but you're trying to force the work. Yeah, and I think that's why oftentimes we we feel this this tension amongst ourselves well and i don't like okay I'm, I'm home oh let me go get a snack oh let me go get a drink let yeah. me run to the restroom that oh let like me you. you know i when i'm Check here, the mail whatever yeah i'm i'm here so i'll be like oh let me put on espn while i'm working well it's not dedicated work time and i need to improve on that so that's great I, I love that me too, um too. one more question and then i want to hear where people can find you and and what you're doing go back so it could go back to 2013 where you started this or maybe a year ago when you started it full time. You're sitting down with yourself. What would you say to yourself? Gosh, a lot of things. Um, <laughs> probably. Uh, well, one of the things I would tell myself is don't watch so many Star Wars analysis videos. You can't say that on the yeah. fourth. Come on. I can, of, sure all the I can. Sure I can. <laughs> of course. And I say that kind of joking, but sort of not not really joking because back whenever they were putting out the sequel trilogy, which wasn't even that good to begin with, that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I couldn't tell you how many hours of analysis videos I watched, you know, what's going to happen in episode eight and episode nine and blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, I wish I had that time back, but seriously, the thing, one of the things I would tell myself is write more books Yeah, because I just released my third book, uh, 18 words to live by which you mentioned at the beginning but my last book was in 2015. I mean, it took me seven years to write the next one. And it's not even that long of a book. Now, in between that, I've done a lot of client work and podcasting and tons of other stuff. But I'm, I'm really frustrated with myself that I did not follow some of my own advice and just get books out there faster. Yeah. Because I could have. I had the time to do it. I just didn't. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So, and that's a great transition. And thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you coming Absolutely. on thank and you. sharing about your journey. So 18 words to live by. Tell us about it. Tell us where it came from and then kind of tell us like where people can find you and connect with you. Tell us about the community. Yeah. Sure. So the book 18 words to live by is something that the idea just came to me about sometime last summer. I knew that my son Ben was going to be 18 the following year on April the 11th, his birthday. And I just started to think, what is something I could give him that would be really meaningful? Yeah. And being a writer, my first inclination was to go, well, I write him a book. Knowing, however, that as an 18 year old, a book is probably the last thing that he wanted. But still yet, I thought, okay, I'm going to write him something Mm -hmm. that that would be valuable for him when he's 40 years old, not, not as an 18 year old. So I kind of crafted the book with that in mind of what are the things that I would have wanted somebody to tell me when I was 18, but I probably wouldn't learn until I was 40. Mm -hmm. So I just began to brainstorm ideas and come up with, with a way to structure this book and to format it and so forth. Now, the, the funny thing is, is that I got really, really busy last fall with, with several client books and I just didn't have any time to work on the book. So it got to be like February and I had not really done any work on it. So, and you and I were both at a total life freedom retreat in February, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks before that I started ferociously working in that book. So I was working on it every day, like at the retreat, I would stay up late at night drafting this book. I wrote some of it on the plane and in airports and stuff, mm-hmm. just trying to get that sucker done. But I'm, I'm really happy with the way that it turned out. It's just kind of a special gift I wanted to give to him. It's very, very short. You know, each chapter is just a few pages long. So, so yeah, that book's out there. You can hop on Amazon, just type in 18 words to live by. I think you'll enjoy it. I've gotten really good feedback on it so far. I have, I will say I have skimmed it. I haven't read it, but what I've skimmed has been very good. And the feedback has been really good. I'm so glad I ordered it and everyone should definitely check it out. And I think it's a really cool book. It's cool for me to like, as I was skimming it a little bit to be like, yeah. And he wrote this to his son. Like, how cool is that? And thinking as a dad, like things I would want to say to my kids. Right. The challenge of the book was how do I make it to my son, but not just for my son. Right. So the, my, my way around that was I had a, a prologue at the beginning that was basically a letter to him. Then the rest of the book is written more to a general person. So that's kind of how I finagled that issue. Again, it's just problem solving. Yeah. I think it's, it's all that it really came down to. Well, it's great. And thanks for sharing that. And then, okay. So people can get the book on Amazon and tell us uh-huh. what else you're doing and where we can find you. So I've got two sites. One is kentsanders.net, which I'm in the process of redoing. So if you go there, it's kind of a mess. But if you want to find out more about my ghostwriting services and, and so forth, you can just shoot me an email, kent at kentsanders.net. Then my daily writer stuff, which includes the daily writer podcast and the community. Mm-hmm. That's all you can find all that at dailywriterlife.com. Well, thank you so much. And I'll say this, not just because you're on the call, your show is one of my favorite podcasts. I've shared on the show, how like well, your you. show, the daily writer, your show, Vincent show and John Stonge's audio Bible are like three that I listen to because in 20 minutes or less, I can hear from three people I really respect and hear like some wisdom. And I think, you know, just like mine, I it's a show for realtors, but not just realtors listen to it. And so right. I hope that you'll, right. even if you're not a writer and I'm not, Kent knows that like, I'm probably the least likely person to ever write a book, even though he keeps saying it's going <laughs> to happen and it probably will. 
again, when you listen to stuff like the Daily Writer podcast, it cultivates, like you say in the intro, it you know, cultivates the habit right for daily success or creative success. Is that something like that? I don't even remember. I've said it a hundred hundreds of times. I don't even remember how it goes. But I think it helped, right? When I think, hey, what's something can set on the show? Oh, how does this help me either with my podcast or with my real estate clients problem solve? And like you're saying, and I think that's kind of the theme, all of it comes back to problem solving yeah. and creating things to help people. And yeah, yeah. It's not really a writing podcast. I mean, it, it is, but it's kind of not. It's really a how do I live life bravely and go after my goals podcast yeah. under the guise of writing. And I'll say Ken's one of the most humble people I know. So if you're interested in writing at all, his daily writer community is amazing. He had me on a call to talk about social media. And I'm telling you, the people in there are super amazing, super helpful, super creative. And if you're like, oh, my goodness, I need help. I need that community as a writer. Please go check it out. So thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Ken, appreciate you so much, man. Thankful to have you on the show. Thankful to call you a friend. And uh, thanks for spending some time with us today. My pleasure, John. It's been an honor and I appreciate you having me. Thank you. So guys, make sure you check him out at Kent Sanders. Oh, now I forgot, Kent. KentSanders.net and DailyWriterLife.com. <laughs> thanks, brother. I'll see you soon. My pleasure. Wow. Thank you so much, Kent Sanders, for being an amazing friend and amazing guest on today's interview. Very thankful for you. And I hope you guys really enjoyed my conversation with him. A few of my takeaways as we close out today's episode. I love what he said at the beginning of our interview where he said, you know, all the stuff he's been doing, he's really been, you know, he shared his story about finally leaving his job at the college and you know, becoming basically a full-time entrepreneur, which I love and uh, doing his own things. And then how he looked around as he's been doing this full-time for a year, as, you know, numbers dwindled at the Christian college, he looked around and wondered why people weren't building something like what he was doing. And no one was paying attention to what he was doing and no one was paying attention to, you know, dwindling numbers. And he kind of said like, you know, all the stuff I've been doing with up till 1 a.m., up at 5 a.m., editing books and recording podcasts, all that stuff led to success so long later. And it's so encouraging to think about this because this happens so much in our own business, right? The things we're doing now might not be, you know, even in real estate, the stuff we do now is two, three, four, five, sometimes six months or longer down the road in terms of our clients. But even you know, the stuff we're building on the side with podcasts and communities and all these different things, that stuff pays off. And so I loved how he shared that part of his story with you guys. I also really loved, you know, his lesson from his story and how he shared that, you know, he was desperate, you know, and I think desperate times, you know, people can create success from that and really build that into a successful business like I've seen in real estate and like Kent has seen through his ghostwriting and in his daily writer community and with his podcast. So I loved that he shared that. And my third and really, you know, final takeaway for you guys is how he said every job is inherently creative, you know, we're problem solving and every job does this and every job is working on something creative. And so for those of you that have even said to me, oh, I can't do a podcast, I'm not creative. 
I hope you really think about whatever you're doing now, whether you're a realtor doing something else, you're already creative. You're already being creative in real estate. I see this all the time with you know what I do for clients. And we mentioned on this episode, all of us are creative. We just have to, you know, think about it differently. And, you know, I think people hear the word podcast or community or things like that, and they get so overwhelmed by those big terms when it really doesn't have to be like that. So, and again, I, I know I said I was my last one, but actually another takeaway as I look at it, I love how he said, make time to connect with others, have community. You know, he he has this group of men that meets that he, you know, he says he loves these guys and they give him advice. You need community. You need to get out of your house and build community and have people that pour into you and help you grow and develop. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Kent, for being an amazing guest. I hope you guys will check out everything Kent is building. You can, again, go to kentsanders.net and hear about his work as a ghostwriter and also go to dailywriterlife.com where you can read his blog, listen to his podcast, and hear about his community. So thank you guys again for listening. Thank you, Kent. And I will see you all on our next episode. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Survival Guide. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others discover the show. Thank you so much, and we will see you on the next episode.